0: Blessed be your name, in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, for the fountain, the desert place, or walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out of, turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be Blessed be your name, when the sun's shining down on me, for the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, for this pain in the offering, blessed be your name. We blessing you pour out i'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, Blessed it be your name, Blessed it be the name of the Lord, Blessed it, Bless it, Bless it be your glorious name. be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious
1: name, amen to that. Be seated if you will. Uh, good morning everyone, it's good to see each and everyone present today and we welcome you here and glad, uh, glad you're here and to worship in-house and we also welcome those who are viewing uh, live stream and we welcome you as well. And thank you for tuning in and being part uh, with us here at uh, Gathering Community Church. And I trust that uh, life is good and uh, good things are happening uh, with, within your own life. And you got good stories to tell and share. Uh, but more importantly, I trust that, that you rec- recognize that, that God is good. And uh, so we, we're just thankful that we have an opportunity to worship together uh, in spirit and in truth. And to be still and know that He is God and to recognize uh, His majesty and His power. The theme of the message is all about reflection. We hope to give uh, meaning and substance to that as well as we reflect on not only the important truths of our life, but we reflect out uh, what is uh, embedded within us, and it's the life of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You give us opportunity to to worship, uh, to be able to be together in-house as well as to tune in in the comfort of our own homes, to be able to recognize that that this is a body of Christ that gathers together in worship uh, and our hearts and our minds as we stay on you. And we thank you for all the gifts and all the pleasure you give us, your blessing, uh, your name being lifted up, and yet we realize that as we lift your name up, we're blessed because uh, we recognize you as God. And uh, we just pray that everything we do in this service uh, will be uh, honor and glory unto your name. And again, thank you for allowing us to be your children and thank you for allowing us to to know you and thank you for your love that is given to us. In your name that we pray, Amen. amen.
0: Friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so dumb. A i eyed saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let Reach with open hearts and open doors Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners Break our hearts for what breaks yours
2: Jesus, friend of sinners The one who's riding in the sand Make the righteous turn away And the stones fall from their hands Help us to remember We are all the least of these Let the memory of
0: your mercy Bring your people to their knees Nobody knows what we're for, Only what we're against When we judge the wounded What if we put down our signs cross over the lines In love like you did Oh, Jesus Friend of sinners And of our pointing fingers let our hearts be let by mercy help us reach with open hearts and open doors oh jesus friend of sinners break our hearts for what breaks yours
1: Wonderful, wonderful! You know, realize that that in that that song, it's it's a reminder to you that each of us have been given great gifts. A great gift, and a gift is being a friend of God. And by His friendship, He's able to uh, restore and give to us more than what we could ever imagine and dream. Because when he takes our life and he cleans it up, uh, something begins to take place on the inside of us for his glory and his honor. And then on top of that, what he does for us, we're able to reflect that to others. And so when when he cleans up a messy life, it only shines. And when it shines, others notice. And others take notice, and they're drawn into the shine that's coming from us. And it's all because of God's work in our life. And I'm so thankful that He is a friend of sinners, sinners that are cleaned up and sinners that can shine. And so this message today is entitled Reflecting Jesus. And I want you to think about that reflection for just a moment and think about how, how and what is being reflected in and through Our lives this very day and we'll find in Acts chapter 4 verses 13 through 22 basically gives us the message from that text and it's from verse 13 of Acts chapter 4 and notice when it says in verse 13 when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed, and now listen to this, they were amazed, and they knew that they had been with Jesus. That's what stood out the most. It wasn't the fact that they were uneducated. It wasn't the fact that they were untrained. What they noticed more, and their amazement was, that they knew that they had been with Jesus. Now in verse 14, And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in response. After they had ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign evident to all who live in Jerusalem has been done through them, and we cannot deny it so they're they're recognizing that these guys have been with Jesus and now they're recognizing that the power that's within them that's touching the lives of others there was no way they could do anything about it to change that power All right, and then it continues but so this does it says but so this does not spread any further among the people let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again So they called for them, ordered them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable, we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So here are three things. They knew they had been with Jesus because they were reflecting out something among them. They knew they had been with Jesus because of the power that was manifested all around them and seen in the healing of this particular person. And now they have a message to share that was more of a compulsion within them that they could not stop from speaking. And so, with this message in mind, I want us to think about that reflection. Now, Let me ask you this question. What is the purpose of a mirror? I think about it for just a moment. If, as I'm sure all of us today, and if you're still at home in your pajamas, you'll look at a mirror later, but but we've probably all looked into a mirror before we entered this building today. And we'll look into a mirror before we leave our homes today because the reflection that comes back to us it says to us, am I presentable to go forth and to mingle with people? Is my hair out of place? Is my makeup right? Is my tie straight? Is the dress, you know, all that sort of thing. So we, we look at all those things through the reflection of the mirror. And the purpose of the mirror is to communicate to us if something needs to be readjusted so that we're presentable. And so think about that mirror experience. What is the purpose Of being with Jesus you know yes you say well it's a great thing it's it helps me to to grow closer to God it helps me to see God it helps me to be uh, more in tune with God for my life to walk in his will all those things are correct but there's another purpose when you and I are with Jesus something happens just like in the book of Acts that when we are with Jesus every day of our life people will say there's something different about him or her. There's something different about their life, and they will notice something. They will notice that we are connected as a branch to the vine. They will notice that we understand the good shepherd, that we understand the door, that we understand the I am, that we understand who he is, and they'll say that person has been with Jesus. So we become a reflection. We become the mirror of Christ to those around us. And so as a result of that, people take notice because of our relationship to the Lord God. Now, this doesn't mean that everything you do and everything I do, that everywhere we go, someone's gonna say, oh, their, their reflection is, is Christ, everything we, we do. But when it gets down to the brass knuckles of it all, that when we get down to that point in which someone says, there's something different about your life and I just can't put my finger on it right now, and then you begin to talk with them, you begin to share with them, then all of a sudden the aha moment comes on, the light comes on, and they say, okay, I knew it. I knew it because you know Jesus. That's what was hitting me in my face. That's what was saying to me, I knew there was something different about him or her. So we become that mirror of Jesus and we reflect something beyond what we even can imagine. Now, what happens when we've been with Jesus? This is the part of the message, and then I want to try to answer the question why we're we, we just unable to stop talking about Jesus. But what happens when we've been with Jesus? Now, there's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, Verses 17 and 18. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18, this is what I want us to take note of. Others take notice. What happens when we've been with Jesus? Number one, others take notice. Now look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom we all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the spirit. And so here we, we realize there's something about that reflection. Now, Keep in mind this unveiled face for just a moment. Now, if you had a blemish on your face, I'm talking about something that was, that was obvious, that, that would take notice, somebody take notice if you were a far distance away. We become conscious of that blemish. some cases, people may cover that blemish with... Um, Some type of gauze and tape, or maybe cover the face altogether. And so here we're talking about not worrying about who we are. We unveil ourselves and we recognize that what people are seeing is not us, but Jesus. It's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. It's about the unveiling of our spiritual lives before the world in which we live and others take notice of that glory that is reflected through us. So others take notice. It's interesting that that scripture says that where the spirit is, there is freedom. And guess where the spirit resides? As Romans says, the body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is within your temple, within your body, Guess what? You have freedom. And as a result of that freedom, we have the joy of the glory of the Lord within us who has begun to transform us from the moment we say yes to Jesus. He's transforming us every day into the same image of who Christ is, which is for his glory and on and on. And so others take notice of that reflection. And we, just, we could pull over and park and stay in that one scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, because there's so much more that could be unpacked just within those two scriptures. But let's move on to trying to answer the question, what happens when we've been with Jesus? Now, second of all, we take notice. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses, verse 20, in Galatians 2, Verse 20, it says this, And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Now, this is Paul saying, you got to keep in mind, Paul's perspective here is a man at one time was raging with anger and he was bent on purpose of trying to get rid of the Christians who were spreading the love of what they called the sect of Christianity. And he was having Christians imprisoned or maybe even killed because of their belief system in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul who was at that time named Saul. And then he had an experience on the Damascus Road that would change his life for the rest of his life when he said I there's nothing I hate Christ and I hate Christians now he says it is that which lives within me. He says that there's something within me that controls me. He says I have been crucified with Christ and I am as no longer I who lives but Christ who lives through me. The very one who said I don't love Christ is now fallen in love with Christ the one who said at one time, I don't want to be a part of Christianity, he is uh, the major spokesperson for Christianity. And he says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So Paul took notice that when that freedom hit him, from that passage in 2 Corinthians, when that freedom hit him on the inside, he took notice that there was something happening on inside of him that would change his life for the rest of his life. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. For His glory, for His honor, and for who He is, for His recognition of all that God has done in and through Him. And so, what happens when we've been with Jesus? First of all, others take notice. But second of all, we take notice as well. There's something that happens in the transformation of our personal self when God gets inner twined within that self of who we are, in the DNA of who we are, in the character of who we are, something begins to happen and it changes. And our outlook on life changes. We start loving people whom we had no idea we could love. We begin doing things for people that we had no idea that we had the courage to do. We begin to sit down with someone sharing the claims of Christ with someone whom we had no idea that we had the capability of even doing that and saying it. And we take notice that Jesus is real and the power that I have in my life, the power is made evident because of the Christ within me. So not only others take notice, but we take notice. So, Then you notice in in Acts, when we were looking at a couple things, they said they knew that they had been with Jesus. They knew that there was something different about those men, and they knew they'd been with Jesus. And then they said, well, one thing we got to do, we got to stop them, the the people around them. The religious leaders who were threatened by this Jesus movement said that we must stop them. So we're going to order you out of the Sanhedrin, and we order you not to say anything in the name of Jesus again. And they said, well, you can order us and whether it's right or not, whether we obey you or not, we, can't be, we cannot stop from speaking about Christ. There's a compulsion within me that causes me to share about Christ. And so the question now is, why are we unable to stop? Why are we unable to stop the movement of Christ within our life as it becomes a reflection or a mirrored image of the Christ that is within us. Number one is because, first of all, we're not ashamed. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says something about being ashamed or not. And Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So that is classification for everyone, whether they're Jew or Gentile. And And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So let me ask you this. Are you ashamed of that gospel? If someone was to come up to you and say, there's something different about your life. I can't pinpoint it right now, but I know there's something different. And they began to talk about, Talk to us, and then they realize the light comes on. Oh, I know it. I know it now. It's Jesus within you? Would you say to them, Thank you for noticing? And I'm gonna tell you now, I am not ashamed of the gospel that lives within me. I am not ashamed of the Christ who's changed my life. And I'll be glad to share you how He share with you how He can change your life. And so we have to come to that, that understanding within our own heart and mind, regardless of the circumstance regardless of the situation, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power within me that changes me and changes everyone unto salvation, and it, and it perfects us to the point to where we understand that we belong to Him, and there's nothing going to change that. Nothing's going to ever take us out of His love, out of His reach, whether the heights of the depths, far as the east is from the west, whether, wherever we are, wherever we go, there's nothing going to pluck us out of His hand we are his so why are we unable to stop number one we're we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ number two is this and we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 the second answer is that Christ's love compels us Christ's love compels us 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15 and it says this For Christ's love compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. And so we realize what is that compulsion? When you and I give our heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, in it, however way you want to you label it, when you, when you got saved, when you received salvation, when you confirmed your faith in God, when you said yes to God, I want to live as your child. I want to be your son. I want to live as your son and live as your daughter. At that moment of salvation, at the beginning part of the relationship between us and God, God already had a relationship with us, was already pursuing us. When we begin our relationship from us to God, when we enter into that salvation experience, at that point, we realize that the one who died, he died for all, and I am a part of the all. And yet, as as a result, I am the one he loves. And because of what he's done for me, and because of all that he has given up for me personally, personally, Therefore, it is the compulsion within me that keeps me, from, from, it, it keeps me motivated and it says to me that there's no way I could ever stop talking about the great gift that God has given me. It is a compulsion within me that causes me to say yes to others that Jesus is real in my life. So, there's something that changes us and if you if you, it's it's almost like um it's almost like a rebranding experience now i'm not going to i'm going to use this kind of loosely that's probably not a good theological term here but to understand it you know when a company goes through a change a merger or uh, they they come together and they they're refocusing and retooling they may rebrand themselves under another name or under another mission statement. And so they go from the old company to rebranding them under something new, even though it's the same people involved, it's the same faces, same place, same telephone number, same address. It's still rebranded into something different. It's almost as if God says, you don't have to give up your address you don't have to change your looks. You don't have to reorganize anything in your life because I'm going to do that for you. If you'll give my, give your life to me, and as a result of that, we realize that in the process of salvation that it is being worked within us that God is rebranding us, remolding us, remaking us, transforming us, and because of that rebranding, remaking, and transforming, there's something that welts up within us that is a compulsion that says, there's nothing you can ever say to me that's going to stop me from talking about the love of Christ and what he's done for me. He died for me, and he died for you. He died for all, and I've given my life to him, and because I've given my life to him, I've come into relationship with him. I've come to see his love. I've come to experience his love, and therefore, I must tell others about that love, and it's a compulsion within us. That's why you can't stop that's why i can't stop talking about the christ you know you know one of our um, one of our favorite members miss connie thompson i know she's listening in today so i'm going to brag on you a little bit miss connie but uh you know she she likes to bake and she likes to cook you know when we get back to communion and we share the communion bread together eventually down the road you know it's her bread that she bakes and so we're enjoying a gift of that. How many has ever received a cookie from her or received a card and inside that card was a little goodie? Yes. Hang on, you will. She'll get around to you because mo- of, half, of half of the people here Miss Connie raised their hand. But anyway, why does she do things like that? And, I, and I'm often, often asked the same question. It's because she understands the love of Christ in her life. And she wants to do something to tell others you matter to me. Why? And there's nothing you can do to stop her from doing that. There's nothing you could ever convince her that says to her that you don't need to do that anymore. And she'd probably say to you, you can tell me all you want what to do, but I'm still going to do it because God is that real to me in my life. People do things in different ways of ministry. And yet it's because of the compulsion within us. Many of you have that same character. You like to send out emails or texts or notes. I've been the recipient of those things as well. And you send out little, little, little words of encouragement. Why do you do that? It's because of the compulsion within you that you found that love, you found that encouragement. You've been lifted up because of the Christ love in your life so therefore you want to do it for someone else. That's the compulsion. That's the thing that just, it will not, we, we cannot stop. And there's nothing that can hold us back because of that love. And number three, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13, it's the fact that Christ takes hold of us. That's why we're unable to stop. In Philippians 3, verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to having taken hold of it But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue the goal of the prize promised by God heavenly, the call in Christ Jesus. Now back up to verse 12. Not that I've already reached the goal, he says, I am already made mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because of the fact that it has taken hold of me. And it's because Christ takes hold of us. That's why you no longer have the desires that you once had. When, when, when Christ enters your life and the love of God permeates the existence of your DNA, your spiritual DNA, and he begin to, to reform and rebrand the character of who you are, and, and as a result of that, you realize that he's taking hold of you and there's nothing that's going to stop that process in motion. And it's not like we've got to work to grab hold of Christ because when we begin to work towards that, if we think that's the way to do it, we'll realize in the working toward it, it's the fact that he's already gotten a hold of us. And, he's, and he won't let us go. You ever walked a child across the street or in a busy mall or at Disney World? What's the one thing you do? You grab hold of that hand, don't you? And you're not going to let go of that child's hand. Even if they try to squirm and say, hey, you hurt me or, or let go, let go. You're not going to do it. You're going to take hold of that child to get them to safety. But God's it's almost like God reaches out his hand and he grabs hold of ours and everywhere we go, He's he's got us in arm's reach. He's got us in in a grip. And he's taken hold of us, and there's nothing that anyone could do to loosen that grip. Whether you go through difficulty of your life, whether you're going through grieving process of your life, whether you're going through financial ruin of your life, whether you're going through a pandemic in your life, or wherever and wherever you travel, and wherever you go, know that God's hand has you and he will not let you go. In the times that you're alone, he's there. In the times of celebration, he's there. In the times of travel, he's there. In the times that you sleep, he is there. When you arise in the morning, you're there. When you have the cup of coffee or two, as Mary Reeney does so often, and he's there. You know, God has a hold of all of us. I'm thankful that he won't let us go. I'm thankful that he, he loves us so and in spite of who we are and in spite of how many times we mess up things, he still doesn't let us go and he takes hold of us and that grip is so ever tight. And number four, why are we unable to stop? If you go to John chapter 8 in verses 31 to 32, it gives us the answer. In John chapter 8, verses 31, 32, beginning in verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Fourth of all, we are set free. We're set free. Why are we able to stop? It is because of the freedom that we have in Christ. I don't know how long it's been since you've come to know Christ, but I'm sure you remember what it's like to be held captive in your life spiritually. For me, on August 16th of 1981, when I committed my life to Christ on a Thursday evening evening, in a revival message that was being presented and at the end of that message they gave an altar call for people to come forward to receive the claims of Christ for their life. And I remember the evangelist who was sharing about his life and how he was was so caught up in himself, how he had no peace and satisfaction and joy, he had no purpose, he had no meaning, He 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 felt as if he was in jail all his life. And then all of a sudden, someone stuck the key in the hole, hole, turned the key, opened the jail cell. When he said yes to Jesus, it was like someone opened the jail cell and he was set free for life. And he experienced the peace and the joy and the satisfaction. He He experienced life for the first time. And I remember when I committed my life to Christ, that when when I went through that prayer and went through that process and, and as I was leaving the church, I was a different person. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't put it down in writing. But I knew that something had happened on the inside of me that was different than when I walked into that building. Now, coming to understand it theologically, basically... On August 16th of 1981 in Georgetown, South Carolina, about 8.35 in the evening in that, in that revival message, someone gave God the key and he stuck it in the hole and he opened the door and he let me go free. And I understood life as a teenager. And so why are we not able to stop talking and sharing the love of Christ and the claims of Christ with the people in our life? Why is it that we still bug that son (laughs) or we bug that daughter over and over again and we were preaching over and over again to them? Why? 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 Because of the fact that we have been set free. And when you understand freedom, you understand truth. And when you understand truth, you have great explanation of what freedom really is. Christ is our freedom. So go back to that mirror. What do you see when you look into the mirror? You look beyond the wrinkles. You look beyond the the clothing shift that needs to happen. You look behind the tie that's crooked. Or you look beyond the hair that's out of place. What do you really see? You see a person... Who's standing there by themselves, looking at themselves. And what are you seeing? Are you really seeing yourself or are you seeing Jesus? Go ahead, Johnny, sing it, buddy. <laughs> are you really seeing yourself or Jesus? The next time you look into a mirror, I know you'll get a brush. I know you'll make the fixings and all that sort of stuff. It's normal. But stop after it's done and take a moment and look into your eyes and say, am I reflecting Jesus right now? Well, I'm sure you will conclude, yes. You will conclude something good about the spiritualness in your life. In other words, your connection connectivity between you and God. And you would say yes. Why? Because you're not ashamed of Christ. You understand that that love that that is a compulsion within you that compels you to do something, all because he's already taken hold of you and he won't let go. And the fact that you are set free is why you are doing what you're doing. That's why you send out the card with a little bit of chocolate in it. Or you bake the bread for communion. Or you make the phone call. You send out the text. You send out the email. You go pray with someone. You park in front of the house and you pray with them. On and on. That's what makes you do what you do. Because of the Christ within you. So, let your light shine to reflect Jesus. Let your light shine to reflect Jesus. You know when When you become a Christian We become We understand that he is the light Of the world And we become The illuminaries Of the light You know on Christmas Eve We always take the Christ candle And it's one candle lit And then the deacons Come forward And they grab They they take their, their candle And they light it from the Christ candle one at a time. And then they take the passing of that light is given to the congregation. And one by one, the transfer of light happens until the whole room's lit up. It's a great reminder that the big pillar candle, the Christ candle, is the light of the world. And the little small candles that we hold in our hands are the candles that become the illumination of Of the light, and we become the light of the world, we become the stars that shine in the sky, and we reflect from the major light source, which is Christ, and we let our light shine. It's almost as if you and I, if we were to go into our bathroom, stand in front of the mirror, and we cut off the light. And we're there in pitch darkness. It's almost as if. We would glow. Now if that happens. Do call me. But uh, it's almost as if we would glow. And then we begin to reflect something. Beyond what we. Even knew we had within us. The shine of Christ. Is. Is. Is great. And. You and I can go into a dark situation spiritually and the light within us can illuminate into that dark situation and bring hope. Let your light shine before men, before the world so that others can see the reflection as a mirror back to them, a reflection of Jesus. The challenge is get connected. The challenge is to fall in love with Jesus. The challenge is to to give your life to Him if you've never committed your life to Christ. And those who are viewing by stream, if you've never committed your life to Christ, there's no greater time than saying, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I'm tired of living in my dark world. I want to know the light save me from my darkness save me from my sin and give me newness of life shine within me and set me free just saying Lord Jesus I give you my life that's as simple and easy as it gets no other easier way to commit your life to anything else but to say Lord Jesus I commit my life to you and if you made that commitment the angels in heaven rejoice over that wonderful decision of what you've just made. And yet there's a party happening because another sinner has turned to Christ. And if you're at home and yes, happened to you, our number is is easy to remember. If you know the area code of this area of 843, it's 828-3333. I want you to give us a call and I want you to reach out to us because we want to know your decision that you made. For you in the building, if you make a decision today and you need help later on, I'm available to walk with you, help with you, help you, in, and help you in any way I can. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you brush us with your angel wings this morning, that you brush us with your presence, and that you remind us of the greatest light that it has ever shone on the face of this earth even in the midst of a dying moment when Jesus said Father forgive them for they know not what they do how bright the glory of that light shone unto all who saw to the point that even the Roman centurion that placed him on the cross said as he experienced the death of Christ that surely this man is the son of God Father we Thank you for the reflection of that glory shown into all the world and yet the spirit that lives within us is a spirit of of light and a spirit of glory that inhabits the temple of who we are. Thank you for being who you are and the reflection that shines forth. Lord, we want to say we love you, we honor you, and we adore you. In your name that we pray. Amen.
2: Let them see in you The one in who is all They'll ever need You're the only Jesus Some will ever see If not you who will show them love and love alone can make things new if not from you how will they learn this one who treat their hopelessness for joy Some may ever read. Let them see in you the one in who is all the will ever need. You're the only Jesus some may ever see.